Would you turn with me to the book of Acts this evening? And let's see if we can talk about Aeneas for the third attempt. If you've been with us for the last previous two Friday nights, we tried to talk about the healing of Aeneas and were redirected, I believe, by the Spirit of the Lord. Two Fridays ago, we talked about heaven. Last uh, Friday, we talked about he's made us rich. Amen. But uh, I don't feel like I'm released from Aeneas. So let's, uh, let's see what tonight holds for Aeneas. If you have not been with us for the last many Friday evenings... We've been teaching on a series called uh, Receiving and Ministering Healing. And uh, we camped for weeks in the four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and took time and looked at each individual healing under the ministry of the Lord Jesus. We looked at 20 individual cases of people healed. And tapes are available if you're interested in those. And particularly if you've been having a battle with sickness and disease, you ought to be interested. Faith comes by hearing. And ever how they received healing under Jesus' ministry, that's the way you receive today. It hasn't changed. And the way he ministered then is the way, correct way to minister now. Well, once we completed the 20 in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John... We began to look in the book of Acts and we we saw that healing continued after the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of the master. Healing continues. That's good to know. Healing was a big part uh, of, of the church, the beginning days of the church. Sometimes we talk about the early church, but you know, uh, we're not a part of a different church. We're a part of the same church that we read about in the book of Acts. And we have the same name of Jesus, the same new birth, the same Holy Spirit. And we've got this, we should have the same workings and results and happenings today as they had. How many of them think if we've got the same gospel, we ought to see the same results? We've got the same spirit. We ought to see the same manifestations as we read about in the book of Acts. It's titled Acts of the Apostles, but that's a title men gave it. And really, there are acts recorded, acts, you might say, of prophets, acts of laity. And uh, really, it's the acts of the Holy Spirit through the church. Is he still moving through the church today? I believe so then we should see the same kind of things because he is the Lord who does not change the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, we, we studied about the healing of the lame man at the gate called Beautiful in Acts 3. And we said, wow, it sounds so much like what you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. The healing sounds so much like what you would see in Jesus' ministry. And the reason it is, sounds so much like that is because... It is the ministry of Jesus continuing through the church. In Acts 1, why don't you read there first of all, Acts 1, 1. Acts 
Acts 1.1, Dr. Luke, whom God used to pen the gospel account of Luke, is used to pen the book of Acts. And he says, verse 1, the former treatise, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began. Did you hear that? Of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. What's he referring to? He's referring to what we call the gospel account of Luke. The account of all that Jesus, uh, how he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. All of his preaching and his teaching and his miracles and deliverance and, and healings. And he said all of that that he wrote about was what Jesus finished. No. No. What Jesus began, not just began to teach, but began to do and to teach. And then he starts writing the book of Acts. What does that mean? This is a continuation, right, of what Jesus began. And how many believe the book of Acts is still being written? Is there still a church? Is there still a Holy Spirit? Is he still manifesting through the church? Then you and I are in chapter 8 million, whatever, we're in some chapter of the acts of the Holy Spirit through the church. And we should expect the same kind of things to be happening. So we saw the man at the, at the gate called Beautiful, the lame man, wonderfully healed. And then in Acts, the ninth chapter, turn right over there, we see the healing of Aeneas. And though we read it two previous sessions already, we we didn't, to my satisfaction, cover it properly. Because the Lord led us in other directions. So let's pray tonight. Get in faith. And don't just look at me tonight. And I won't just look at you. Let's look to Him. And believe Him for revelation and understanding. And not just knowledge, but the Word made manifest in our flesh and in our lives. And you might think, well, man, I'm healed. I'm doing great. Yeah, but you could use this for somebody else. Right? You should understand how the enemy is. There's two areas of your life that he is every day trying to defeat you in. Uh, Your physical health and your financial prosperity. Have you realized that? That he's out to, to keep you sick and he's out to keep you broke. Because if he can keep you sick enough and broke enough, you're incapacitated. Right? Don't have the strength and ability to serve God. Don't have the means wherewith to serve God. But how many believe it's God's will, just like in the beginning, you know, the Israelites that he brought out of Egyptian bondage are a type for us. Amen? And didn't it say he brought them out with silver and with gold? And there was not one feeble person among their tribe. Is that typical for us? Do we have any less under the real thing than they did under a type of redemption? Certainly not. Certainly not. So if he provided for them financially and healed them physically, then certainly that belongs to us too and more. Well, in Acts the ninth chapter, let's pray and then we'll read this about the healing of Aeneas. Father, we thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for our strength and health Ability to be here tonight and to have a place and to have freedom to worship you. Thank you for your holy written word. How precious it is to us. Your words are life to us 
and health and healing and medicine to all of our flesh. Let it be manifest so tonight. Thank you for your Holy Spirit whom you've sent to indwell us and to be our guide and to be our teacher. We reverence him. We yield to him. Give everybody ears to hear and eyes that see and a heart open and receptive. And let the word of life come into us. Show us things we haven't seen. Remind us of things we've let slip. And bring us up to a higher place. And we purpose not to be hearers only, forgetful hearers, but by your grace, doers. And we know as we do, we shall be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, uh, now listen carefully before I ever start reading this, getting into this, because I know some things in my spirit where we're going tonight, at least I think I do. These words are, are significant to you personally, but then you'll either know this is pertinent to you as we go through this tonight, or in a very few days or weeks or months, something's going to come up in your life and you're going to need to know this. Did you hear me? That we're going to get into some things that are going to be very, very pertinent to dealing with situations. So don't snooze through this. And if you're, uh, we, we have our regular people here tonight and we have visitors here tonight. Visitors, you are not here by accident. There's some significant things that should get into your spirit tonight and get you stirred up. And then when some things come up later on, you'll think, I'm ready for this. I'm ready. I know what to do. I've got the word. I know what to tell them. I know where to lead them. There's certain things you ought to write down tonight too in references because you can take other people through these references and help them. How many understand the word, knowing the word and acting on the word can be, make the difference between living and dying? Amen. Living a full life or dying prematurely. Amen. Right? Because all things are possible with God and to those that believe. Well, let's read this and you'll see what I'm, I'm referring to. Verse 31, Acts 9, 31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified. How many know the churches, all the churches, every church is supposed to be at rest, not upheaval, Right? You're not supposed to feel tense and afraid. and You're supposed to have peace. And how many believe churches are supposed to build up? Yeah. Right? Supposed to grow in every way. Right? God's will is edification. Building up. Increase. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. One preacher said one night, he said, uh, you know, if you'd have been bed fast eight years, you'd be sick of it too. <laughs> And I know that's, that's not exactly what he said, what it meant. But you know, you do need to get fed up with stuff. Because as long as you will tolerate it, you're going to have it. Did you hear me? If you say, well, you know, okay, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. We just don't know, you know, just whatever, whatever will be, will be. We'll just... See what God wants. Well, no. You have to know what is the will of God and receive it. 
And you have to know what is the enemy and resist that. Right? You're not supposed to be just receiving everything that comes down the pike. If it's not from God, don't receive it. How would you know that it's not from God? Well, he is light and in him is no darkness. He's life. He's good. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from him. And there's no turning or changing with him. He doesn't change from being good and start being bad. Well, what if it's stealing and killing and destroying? Didn't Jesus say that's the enemy? That's the thief? That's what you ought to resist. If it tries to steal from your life or, or, or kill or, or hurt you and harm you and take from you, resist that. Resist it. Don't just say, well, whatever. No, resist it. Resist it. Sick of the palsy. I, I know exactly when a major turn came in Phyllis's in my life financially. It's when I got sick of being broke. Amen. I remember the day when I came in, uh, in in late one afternoon and I went into the bedroom by myself and I shut the door and fell across the bed in our little house and I said, God, this is not right. I mean, we were so broke and behind, not only, you know, barely making it. You ever felt like you was half a nostril above water? I mean, just just a little bit more and you're going under. You want to give in the offering and you got nothing. You want to do something that just cost a little bit of money and you just got nothing. Broke. How many understand poverty is bondage? Isn't it? It's bondage. You know there are people on the planet starving to death. Literally to death. For lack of enough decent food to keep the human body alive. You know what that is? Poverty. Isn't that right? Poverty. Lack. Is that good or bad? Yeah. Terrible bad. Well, if that degree of it's bad, what about lesser degrees of the same thing? Maybe you got enough food to keep you alive, but not enough money to pay your bills. You understand what I'm talking about? It's the same stuff. It's from the same source. If the devil had his way, you'd not only be short paying your bills, you wouldn't have enough food to eat. If he had his way about it. Oh, but if God's will was completely done, everybody would have plenty to eat, plenty to wear, good place to live, plenty of money. How many believe there's enough resources on this planet for every man, woman, and child to be rich? Certainly. It's the devil and deception, selfishness, ignorance, and confusion that has caused the result of the other. Well, I got sick of being broke, so to speak. I mean, I just thought, God, I've had it with this. And I know it's not your fault. Show me. Teach me. Help me. What I don't know, show me. What I've let slip, remind me. If you can hook me up with other people that know more about it than I do to show me, please. And I'm telling you what, he heard my prayer. And it seemed like for the next five years, every day, he was talking to me about that subject and giving me light and showing me. And we didn't just come out overnight, but friend, week after week, we begin to come up and month after month and year after year till we got to the place. We're writing checks to put in the offering that was more than we used to make in a year. Oh, glory to God. I said, glory to God. 
Would he do that for everybody? Absolutely. Absolutely. But you got to be fed up and get, you know, so to speak, sick. I don't like using that word so much. But you know what I'm talking about. Sick of being broke. Fed up with being broke. You going to live all all your life broke? When you don't have to? Well, we're on a fixed income, brother. Only because you say so. No, we talked about that last week. If you weren't here, you might want to get to tape and become convinced that God has made you rich. But he, he was sick of the palsy. And Peter, verse 34, Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ makes you whole. Don't you like that phrase? Oh man, I like that. Jesus Christ makes you whole. Arise, get up, and make your bed. And he arose immediately. How many believe it happened just like this? Is this miraculous that he got up like this? He's been bed fast eight years. What happened? What happened to him? Well, what did Peter say? What happened to him? Jesus Christ makes you whole. Jesus Christ means the anointed one. Jesus, the Messiah, the sent one, the Savior, the anointed one makes you whole. Wonder if he still makes you whole. Oh, hallelujah. We could shout the rest of the night on this one verse right here. Jesus Christ makes you whole. Did you know that alone would get you healed? If you just put that in your mouth and put that in your ears till it filled up your heart, you just went around night and day saying, Jesus Christ makes me whole. Jesus Christ makes me whole. Instead of going around saying, well, I don't know if it's his will or not. Hear what I'm saying? Well, we'll have to see what the report says. We'll have to see how the tests come back. I don't know. Y'all pray. No, don't have that in your mouth. Have this in your mouth. Jesus Christ makes me whole. Everybody said out loud. Jesus Christ makes me whole. Would it be okay to say scriptures? So well, you just went down to there, that Faith Life Church, and got to saying that because you was hanging around them. Forget us. What about this? This is B-I-B-L-E. Would it be all right to put some Bible in your mouth? And to go around saying, Jesus Christ makes me whole. People say, yeah, but now that was for Aeneas. That may not be for you. You're saying the Bible may not be for me? What are you saying? Well, if it's not, may not be for me, how am I going to find out? How am I going to find out if it's for me or not? People say, well, if you're healed, then it was for you. And if you don't get healed, then obviously it wasn't. Wow. What a way to live. What if the sinner said that? What if the sinner says, well, how am I going to know if it's God's will to save me or not? Well, if you're saved, then you know it was his will. And if you're not, then you know it wasn't his will for you to be saved. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. It's not his will that any should perish. But people have to hear it, right? They have to believe it, right? And they have to receive it. 
And not only receive it in their hearts and believe salvation has been provided, but confess with their mouth that Jesus is their Lord. We know that concerning the new birth. Why do people get dumb when it comes to other things and not realize it works exactly the same way? You've confessed Jesus as your Savior. Why not not confess Him as your healer? Amen. Jesus Christ saves me. Praise God. Well, Jesus Christ delivers me. Jesus Christ provides for me. Jesus Christ protects me. And Jesus Christ heals me. I'm telling you, you get this in your spirit, wonderful things are happening in your body. He heals me. Just go around all the time saying, He heals me. He heals me. Your head will say, you've already said that 40 times. They say, shut up, head. He heals me. Because it's not, you don't believe God with your head. It's with your spirit. And faith comes by not just hearing one time. comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Got to keep hearing the same thing. Jesus Christ heals me. Say it out loud with me. Jesus Christ heals me. Say it again. Jesus Christ heals me. Say it again. Jesus Christ heals me. I had the privilege of working uh, with Dr. Kenneth Hagin in the healing school there at the Kenneth Hagin Ministries for a number of years. And there were times, some afternoons, the Lord would lead us. I'd just take them over to Exodus where it talks about, I am the Lord that healeth thee. And, and, I, and we'd just sit down and, and I'd read it and I'd say, now you read it. And we'd just sit there and, and say, sometimes for 40 minutes at a time. You are the Lord who heals me. You are the Lord who heals me. See, so many times people, you know, you can tell what they're full of because you ask them a question and they tell you all the Latin names for their physical condition and all the experimental drugs. They can talk to you for three hours about it. But you ask them about scriptures and Bible. Well, that what, what about Job? <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about? Well, what about Paul's thorn in the flesh? That's all they know about healing, which is less than nothing. <laughs> I mean, that it's less than nothing because you got to get over your misconceptions about Job and, and Paul to even begin to learn about the will of God. Isn't it a sad thing that many Christians have more faith in Paul's thorn in the flesh than they do in Jesus' stripes? Don't even know what the thorn in the flesh was. Pitifully ignorant. But see the devil thrives on darkness and ignorance. What about Job? What about him? You ever read Job? Hmm? Historians tell us, you know, and scholars tell us that they think that the whole ordeal of Job happened in about eight months. He had a bad year. I said he had a rough year. But how did it turn out? Did you read the end of the book? Job got healed. How is it that people miss that? Has anybody read Job besides me? 42nd chapter of Job. Job got healed. How do people miss that? Job got healed. Well, that's another story. 
<laughs> but how many understand Job got healed? Amen. So I guess I'm just like Job. Well, praise God. <laughs> that means you're about to get healed and get twice as much as you ever had. Amen. Right? Yeah. If you're like Job. Yeah. Amen. yeah. People have been attacked. They've had rough years. They've had rough times. But how many understand if you stand and you won't give up and you won't quit, that he will always cause you to triumph? Amen. Amen. If you won't get weary and well-doing, you shall reap. That's in every good area. Well, he said Jesus Christ makes you whole. Get up, rise, make your bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. Bless some people's hearts that talk about, you know, well, you know, they needed healings. Jesus needed healings and miracles to prove he was the son of God. And the apostles, they needed miracles to get the church started and going, but all that's passed away. And when the last apostle died, all that ceased. I mean, people believe that like it's Bible, but nowhere is that in the scriptures. There's no scripture to back any of that up. But friend, how can we say that we don't require this or need this anymore when one healing caused two whole cities to turn to God? Are we saying we've got something better than that to reach the lost? No, friend. One individual said healing is the dinner bell. (laughs) And it is. When people see that God, the the God that they've heard wrong things about, they see him actually heal somebody and raise people up. They think, whoa, I want a God like that. A God that'll heal you. God that'll pay your bills. God that'll protect you. I want a God like that. And the goodness of God leads people to repentance. You know what repent means? To repent It means to turn and convert means to turn. And did you notice the language here? What does it say? These people in these towns, they what? They they heard about this and they knew about this and they what? They turned to the Lord. Everybody say turned. Turned. The goodness of God, the goodness of the Lord leads people to repentance or to turning. Turning their lives around. I can see the wisdom of God in him leading us to give testimony about all the good things that God has done on a continuous basis. People hear about that. Amen. And it will help them to turn to God. And uh, this whole passage has to do with the idea. I didn't always see this. But I see it clearer today than I have before. It has to do with the concept of turning. Turning. I want you to go back with me to the uh, 41st Psalm, please. Psalm 41. Is there healing in the Psalms? Let's go through the Psalms a little bit. And get healing in the Psalms. Would that be okay with you? 
Because there's a couple of passages that specifically go with this healing of Aeneas. But there's some other things I think it'd do you good. And I think it'd do you good to have it in your notes. Because I think there can be some things in the near future where you'll be glad you know this. And you'll sit down with somebody else. And you'll read to them these scriptures out of Psalms. So take notes on the references. Or just mark them in your Bible. You can put your big H uh, by the verse, which means healing. And, and then, if you got it marked like that, you can just uh, turn from page to page and find the H. And people will think you're so smart. because you. <laughs> How do they remember all the verses? Well, you, you got them marked. <laughs> but let's go to Psalm 6, first of all. We'll work our way up to 41. Is that okay? Psalm 6. Has the Lord always been a healer? Is he a healer today? The healer. Will he be the healer tomorrow? Yes. Yes. In Psalm 6, verse 2. Psalm 6. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, if it be thy will. Well, why do people always add that then? Would it be all right to pray this exactly as written in the Bible? Without adding the if it be thy will. How could he pray so bold? Lord, heal me. For my bones are vexed. Well, yeah, but what if it's not God's will? Did he not take that into consideration? Or did he know something that some people don't know today? That it's always his will. Just like it's his will to save. Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? Return. Did you hear that? What? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. Save me for your mercy's sake. For in death there's no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give thee thanks? You don't, see, you don't hear much thanksgiving out in the cemetery. I'm weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. My eyes consume because of grief. It waxes old because of all my enemies. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. For the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. And the Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. What prayer? Heal me. Let all my enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return, return, hear the word, and be ashamed suddenly. There's a prayer for healing without, and if it be thy will. Go to the 30th chapter, please. Keep in mind that phrase, turn and return, because you're going to see how it, uh, how it fits further in just, just another passage or two. Psalm 30 and verse 1. I will extol thee, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you and you told me it wasn't time. Huh? It wasn't your will for me to be healed. You might say, why do you keep saying that? Because millions of Christians' faith is robbed. By believing those things. 
You cannot have faith for healing if you're not convinced that God, it's God's will to heal you. No, what did he say? I cried to you. And what? And you healed me. Can anybody hold up your hand tonight and say you did that? You called out to him? And you asked him to? And he healed you. Leave your hands up. Everybody look, look around. See all these hands? Look at these hands. These are living witnesses in here tonight telling you I did this. And he did this to me. Look at this. I got my hand up too. Hallelujah. Oh Lord, you've brought up my soul from the grave. You kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Now, now you're listening with your heart tonight, right? There may be some people in here tonight. And if not you, there's some people that you know or some people you're going to run across in the near future that they are going to be told that they have to die now. And it's not time for them to die. Did you hear me? And they're too young to die. And they don't have to die with one of the devil's stinking diseases. Did you hear me? But they're not, they're not hearing this where they go to church. And they haven't been getting this in their so-called religious background. But they're going to come across you. And you're going to come across them. Amen. And, and there are going to be some opportunities for you to sit down with them and read scriptures like these. And tell them, well, yeah, but what about the Bible? Amen. What about this? Would it be all right for you to pray this right out of the Bible? Yeah. Amen. You, you tell them that. Keep reading. He said, Lord, you brought up my soul from the grave. That means they had gone down to death's door. But he brought them back. He returned them. Did you hear that? Keep watching. You'll see that language come up in, in, in the near future here. You've kept me alive I, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, you saints of his. Give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. For his anger endures but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. <laughs> Job knows that song, don't he? I said, Brother Job knows that tune. And in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Lord, by your favor, you've made my mountain to stand strong. You did hide my your face, and I was troubled. And I cried to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Shall the dust praise you? Shall it declare thy truth? How many understand there's no benefit to God in us dying early? No benefit to God. None. I mean, here's where the action is. Here's where we can be a witness and get people saved. Amen. Here's where we can be a blessing to others. Life is short enough as it is if you live to be over a hundred. That's nothing. It's here. It's gone. We ought to fight to live our full term. Did you hear me? And there are times when you'll have to. Because the devil will try to take you out early. I mean, uh, his perfect will for you, you've already missed. You missed the devil's perfect will. (laughs) What was that? What was his perfect will? For you to die lost and, and spend eternity in hell with him. That was his perfect will for your life. 
You've already missed that. Glory to God. Well, his acceptable will, then if you're not going to hell with him, his acceptable will is that you go to heaven. Now. (laughs) And that you don't live another day on this earth to be a witness for the Lord or do any good works. So he'll try to take you out with, you know, some of his favorite tools of choice or disease. To take you out early. But do you have a right to long life? Do you have a right to believe God and live and stand? Could you come off the bed even if you had been bed fast for eight years and were at death's door? Could you still come up? Could you come off that bed? Could you finish your life? If you were given up by medical science, if you'd been incapacitated for 18 years, like the woman bent over, remember that? Twelve years with a hemorrhage nobody could fix, like the woman with the issue of blood. Could you get turned around? Could you come back to health? Could you live out a full length of days anyway? Yeah. If you can believe. If you can believe in miracles. If you can believe in healing. Oh, hallelujah. Keep reading. Where did we stop? Nine, what profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Shall the dust praise you? Shall it declare thy truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me, Lord. Be my helper. What do you think the Lord says to a prayer like that? He wouldn't inspire it and have it recorded in the Bible for all time and it not be his will for us to pray just like this. Notice, completely void of any if it be thy wills. Thomas says, yeah, but now, Brother Keith, that's how Jesus prayed in the garden. They were not having a healing meeting in the garden. They weren't praying for the sick, and it had nothing to do with healing in the garden. And there are times when you and I need to consecrate ourselves to the will of God and look at things we might not want to go through, you know, persecution for serving Him and going places or doing things or staying in situations to serve Him. And sometimes your flesh is not wanting to do it, but you say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. But you don't teach people coming to get saved to pray that. Hmm? Lord, save me if it be thy will. And it's just as unscriptural to teach people when praying for healing. To pray if it be thy will. Now, I'm, I'm not throwing stones at anybody. I've done it. I did it for years. Grew up thinking wrong. I used to go with my pastor, uh, you know, in, in my uh, late teens. Go with him and visit people in the hospital. And we'd go and, and kneel down beside people's bedside. And he'd pray, I'm not knocking him at all, good man, love God, but he'd say, Lord, uh, you know, strengthen our dear brother or sister for whatever the future holds and strengthen the family because the doctors told them they're going to die. And uh, if it be thy will to heal our dear sister, then we ask it if it be thy will. And if not, then thy will be done and help us to Accept the things we, we cannot change and, you know. But analyze what we're praying. Analyze what we're praying when people pray. And you understand, I, I'm not, I'm not thinking of anybody in particular. I'm not calling any denominational names or anything. Millions of people pray like this. Right? And we're not knocking people. I'll tell us people mean well. They got a good heart. They just are thinking wrong. How many of you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong? But analyze what you're praying. Basically they're saying Lord. 
we know, we believe that nothing happens except you do it. And nothing's going to happen unless it's your will. And if it's not your will, it's not going to happen. And so if it's your will, heal them. Of course, if it was your will to heal them, you're going to heal them anyway. Because you're going to do what you're going to do. And if it's not your will to heal them, then they're going to die. But if it was your will for them to die, they were going to die anyway. In other words, you're going to do what you're going to do. No matter what. In other words, why are we praying? <laughs> right? Because you're going to do what you're going to do. Are you going to tell me that God has decided for them to die? And you're going to talk him out of it. You're going to talk him into doing something it's not his will to do? Friend, you don't have to talk God into healing. It was his idea. (laughs) Before you were ever born. I said before you were ever born. He not only put your sins and your iniquities on the Lord Jesus. He took your sicknesses. He carried and bore your pains. Amen. Healing is his idea. His plan. You don't have to talk him into it. It's his will. And that is the beginning of faith. So we ought not pray for healing with the faith destroying phrase, if it be thy will. Any more than you'd pray for somebody to get born again with an if it be thy will. The Bible said in Ephesians, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Let's finish reading this. Verse 10. Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. No, if it be thy will, just hear me, Lord. Have mercy on me. Help me. Reckon did he hear it? Reckon did he do it? Sure sounds like it in the next verse. You have what? Turned. Turned. Turned it around. Turned for me my mourning into dancing. You put off my sackcloth. Girded me with gladness. To the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. (laughs) Sound like God heard their prayer. Sound like they got healed. Sound like they didn't die early and prematurely. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. You like this? Well, I do. I never get tired of it. Never get tired of being healed either. I like being healed. People say, well, I I don't believe it. Well, I would believe it just for myself. You understand? Because I enjoy it. I like being healed. I like going decade after decade and just being healthy. I really enjoy it. Somebody said, oh, you better watch out. (laughs) For what? What should I watch out for? What? God? God's going to get mad by me saying, thank you for keeping me healed and make me sick to teach me something. I don't think so. The devil, you better watch out. You get too sassy. The devil will take you down a few notches. Listen, I am not afraid of the devil. He's afraid of me. And you too. 
if you'll get it. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Oh, glory to God. He said, oh, oh, brother, brother, didn't you know that some witches went and rented a room and they tried to put a curse on your church? Really? Oh, brother, we better go fast and, and, and try to do something about it. Really? Brother Kenneth Hagin, uh, years ago, he was talking along some of these lines and uh, somebody came up and said, oh, brother Hagin. Said so and so was a prophetess here tonight, and you said some things she didn't like, and she's gonna put a curse on you. Well, no, that's some prophetess, ain't it? <laughs> Putting a curse on the on the saints. <laughs> and uh, one of the preachers said, "Oh, brother," he said, "Ah," he said, "Oh, brother Hagin, you better take it seriously now. He, she's put some curses on some other people, and they died." <laughs> he reared back. He said, "I double dog dare her." To curse me. Somebody said. Ooh. Ooh. I wouldn't say that. Then you're the one. Curses can come on. Do you remember. When Balak. Tried to hire Balaam. To come curse the people of God. And they did everything they knew how to maneuver and get in position. And go to different places. And offer different sacrifices. What was his conclusion? You can't curse whom God has blessed. He tried to. The proverb says, the curse causeless shall not come. It will return to the place where it came from. Anybody cursing me, I have no fear of it, none. Which means it's got nothing to attach to. Which means they better make it to fit them. Because it's coming right back on their head. No reason I'm saying that, friend. Do not sit in your apartment or your condo or your house or your neighborhood and go, I don't know, people are doing weird stuff up there above me and, and, and on the other floor and, and, and at the end of the block. And I'm, I don't know, I think they're trying to put a curse on me. The only way it could attach to you is if you fear it. Amen. If you have more faith in the devil's junk to hurt you than in God's power to keep you. I don't. I have more faith in God's power to keep me than any of the devil's works. You get this kind of boldness in you, they will be afraid of you. They will hope you don't notice them. Any believer, I don't care if you're three days old in the Lord, any believer in this place has enough authority in the name of Jesus and enough power in the Holy Ghost to clear the earth. Did you hear me? Any part of the earth you're living in, of any, I I don't care if a thousand witches tried to come against you. Their Lord has been stripped, brought to naught, defeated. He's under our feet. They only can do things in darkness. They can only do things where people fear them. And we do not. I said we do not. So all their incantations and stuff has no power on us. None. 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 How about you? None? None. Are you afraid of any of this stuff? Absolutely not. None. 
Because it's the fear that makes you subject to the bondage, the scripture said. What you fear can come on you. Oh, but hallelujah, when you know greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, I do not fear any of these things. You believe that? Go to Psalm 41 then. This is what we were working up to here. You okay tonight? Psalm 41. Now remember what happened? Well, I'll, I'll read this, then I'll remind you. Psalm 41, blessed, not cursed, what? Blessed is he that considers the poor. Now, the margin in my Bible instead of poor says weak or sick. And I think that's really a better, a better way to render that. And it's in keeping with the, uh, the context too. So blessed is he who considers the sick. The Lord will deliver him. In time of trouble. Is that a principle? The Lord will preserve him. And keep him alive. How many think you ought to put faith on this? You ought to treat this just like God's talking directly to you. Amen. Did the Lord tell you he would preserve you? And keep you alive? He shall be blessed on the earth. And you will not deliver him into the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on the bed of languishing. That sounds just like what happened to Aeneas, didn't it? Thou will what? King James says make. The margin of my Bible says the Hebrew literally means turn. You will turn All his bed in his sickness. What does that mean you'll turn his bed? Turn. We've seen this word repeatedly and we'll see it again. Remember what Peter by the Holy Ghost told this man. Aeneas, get up and do what? Make your bed. Take up your bed. Does that sound familiar? We spent weeks and weeks in the gospel account studying about the ministry of Jesus. Do we ever, ever hear, him, hear him say that to somebody? Yes. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. We've heard that more than once, haven't we? Yes. What's the significance of that? Was something turned? They came in on the bed. The bed went out. On them. And that's more significant than you might think right now. God turned their captivity. Have you ever heard that term? Turned their captivity. In fact, you ever heard this phrase? You'll find it in Isaiah. You'll find it in Ephesians. Taken captivity. Captive. Anybody getting this tonight? You like this? In Isaiah, go go ahead and turn to Isaiah. Hold your place here. Go to Isaiah. Well, how about going to Job first? Keep Isaiah in the back of your mind. But go to Job 22. Excuse me for moving around some. 
How many understand some of these things would work? They would come out the same a number of different ways. There's different ways to get to the same place. And sometimes I'm just endeavoring, you know, either way would work. I'm just trying to see the best way. And ministers are, are always learning and developing in, in that area. Job 22. Are you there? And remember for me about Isaiah 14 and uh, Psalm 41. You'll remember, right? Okay. Job 22, are you there? 22 and 26. Then you shall have your delight in the Almighty and shall lift up your face to God. You shall make your prayer to Him. Isn't that what we've been reading about? You'll lift up your voice to the Lord. You'll make your prayer to Him. And what will happen? He will hear you. And you'll pay your vows. You also shall decree a thing. And it shall be established to you. Did Peter decree something? In that bedroom. What did he say? Jesus Christ makes you whole. Right? That wasn't a question. That wasn't a prayer. Was it? It was a decree. Jesus Christ makes you whole. And he said, you'll decree a thing. It'll be established to you. And the light shall shine on your ways. When men are cast down, then you'll say, there is a lifting up. There is a way to turn this thing around. And he shall save the humble person. Hallelujah. Is there a way off the sick bed? Yes, there is. Now notice in uh, Isaiah, turn back there now. And the 14th chapter, I could quote some of these to you or just read them to you, but go ahead and take time. These things just register on you better when you take the time to turn and look at them. Isaiah 14, are you there? And verse 2. And the people shall take them and bring them to their place. And the house of Israel shall possess them in the land of the Lord for servants and handmaids. Now get this. And they shall take them captives whose captives they were. And they shall rule over their oppressors. What does it mean turning the thing around? Turning it around. Read it again. They shall take them captives whose captives they were. And they shall rule over their oppressors. How many think it's past due? Time that Christians, that the devil's been lording it over, that they turn this thing around and rule over him. People whom sickness has been running their life, that this thing is turned and they are overcome sickness. Instead of sickness telling them what to do, they tell sickness what to do, which is get out of town. Instead of oppression, heaviness, depression ruling you, you rule over it. And the thing that had held you captive, you take captivity. And the thing that oppressed you, you rule over it. 
And the thing that had held you back and held you down for years, you actually become strong. Amen. A testimony. An example. In that area, the thing is turned around. You came in on the bed, but the bed went out on you. Hallelujah. I understand. It's a trophy. This man has been tied to the bed for eight years. If you look up the other words and the, the translations, it talks about he was bedfast. He was weak and powerless to get off the bed bedfast. Tied to that bed eight years. Dependent on the bed. He can't get off the bed. Tied to the bed. But just like that. Jesus Christ makes you whole. Here came the decree. And it was so unto him. And he got up off the bed that he had been on. And Peter said, take that thing up. Can you see what's going on here? What did Jesus tell people? That to haul these people in bed fast. He said, get up. Take that bed up. Turn this thing upside down. Does this sound familiar? In the book of Acts, they said, these that have turned the world upside down have come here too. Well, they got it wrong. It was upside down. We're turning it right. The devil and sin turned it upside down. It's upside down when a Christian is oppressed by poverty and sickness. It's upside down. God has the power to turn it right side up. Sickness no longer rules over you. You rule over it. Poverty no longer rules over you. You rule over it. Can you say amen? Go back to Psalm 41. Read it again. <laughs> Psalm 41, blessed is the man that considers the sick. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. Somebody called or wrote in the other day. They were asking me. We have emails all the time and they they seem to increase during the broadcast, which is good. Sometimes people have a lot of questions, though. And this one person was saying, uh, I believe I received my healing The symptoms are still here. What do I do? Well, here's two big things you do. You see one of them right here. One is you do a lot of giving thanks. Thank God. Praise God that you're healed. Not going to get healed. Not trying to get healed. I am healed. Thank God for healing me. Jesus Christ makes me whole. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of praising God. A lot of thanking God. Here's something else. Help other people get healed. Well, I can't help other people get healed and I still got symptoms. You most certainly can. Yes, you can. The, the truth of the Bible is not based on your experience. I know we uh, in healing school some years ago. There were some attorneys, but actually the man and the woman were attorneys, husband and wife, and had a little child, I forget, a few years old. And the child had cancer and was given up to die, considered terminal, hopeless. And they came there sort of as a last resort. And uh, they were there, I forget, a week or two. And man, they were attentive. Boy, they soaked it up. 
We laid hands on the child, cursed that cancer, commanded it to die. Didn't ask the Lord if it was his will. Didn't ask the devil to please leave. Cursed it. Commanded it to die. And uh, they went home. Well, I didn't know this till later. But they went home immediately and started a healing meeting in their home. But the little boy, from all outward appearances, still looks like he's dying. All the symptoms are unchanged. But they didn't wait. They said, we believe we received his healing. We call him healed. We want to tell other people about this. Good news that the Lord will heal you. Started having healings, uh, healing meetings in their home on a regular basis. And here it was three months or so. And they sent me this testimony. Sent me a picture. Oh man, he looked wonderful. Before, he laid lost his hair, you know, and he had gross and terrible, you know, problem. Man, he looked healthy. He was smiling. They said, the doctor says it's gone. He, he got not a trace of it. He, and besides that, other people healed in their home, Hallelujah. telling them about Jesus the healer. Isn't it a wonderful thing? What if they had said, well, now we can't say anything about this till we wait and see. What happened? What does that mean, wait and see? That means you're walking completely by sight. There's no faith involved. You're going, when are you going to believe he's healed? When they see it. There's no faith involved. Now, did you see this? The blessed is the one that considers the sick. The Lord will deliver him. You help other people that were sick. Then the Lord's going to deliver you. In the time of trouble. What will he do for you? The Lord will preserve him. And keep him alive. Oh, how many believe there's power in those words right there? To cause people not die, but live. Keep them alive. He'll be blessed on the earth. You'll not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on the bed of languishing. You will make or turn all his bed in his sickness. I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal me if it's thy will. Not in there. Heal my soul, for I've sinned against you. Even if you've messed up, God will still heal you. Right? My enemies speak evil of me. When will he die and his name perish, they say. And if he, if he come to see me, he speaks vanity. His heart gathers iniquity to itself. When he goes abroad, he tells it. All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. An evil disease, say they, cleaves fast to him. What kind of disease? Wasn't from God, it's evil. And now that he lies, he'll rise up no more. Yea, my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. But thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me and raise me up, if it be thy will. Not in there. Not in there. Would it be all right to pray the scripture just like it's written? You pray this for yourself, just like it's written, not add anything to it. Right? Pray it just like this. Lord, be merciful to me. Raise me up. Heal me. Period. And then expect it. Amen. Is that right? By this I know you favor me because my enemy does not triumph over me. As for me, you've uphold me in mine integrity and set me before your face forever. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting and to everlasting. Amen and amen. Would you gather from that passage that he got healed? I would too.
Now go back to the book of Job. The 42nd chapter. But what about Job? Well, let's read about Job. Everything we've been reading about in this passage, you see happen in Job's life. Job, Job 42. Job in in chapter 42, one thing that confuses people is they say, well, you know, Job was an up, he was a righteous man. He was an upright man. True. They say, well, he didn't do anything wrong. Not true. Not true. Job did a number of things wrong. He said a number of things that were absolutely wrong and not right. And what had to happen at this point, he repents before God. Let's read about it. Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and no thought can be withholden from you. Who is he that hides counsel without knowledge? These are questions God had asked him. Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me which I knew not. He's repenting. Here I beseech you and I will speak. I'll demand of you and declare thou of me. That's some things he said that he shouldn't have said. Verse 5, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Wherefore I abhor myself and what? Repent. Did Job need to repent? Absolutely he did. I mean, he, he, he blew it big time in a number of ways. I won't get into it. But, but all you got to do is read the scripture right here and know he's repenting in dust and ashes. Now skip down to verse 10. I mean, just a few verses later, what does it say? And the Lord, what? Turn that thing around. He turned the captivity of Job when... He, Job, prayed for his friends. Isn't that what we just got through reading in Psalm 41? He that has mercy and helps the sick in his time of need, the Lord's going to deliver him. It's the universal law of sowing and reaping. Friend, if you're wise, when somebody needs help financially and the Lord puts that on your heart, help them because you're setting yourself up for the future. Somebody needs help in this area or that area, be there for what You're sowing seed. For your future. Amen. And God's going to be there for you. Amen. You've given him every. When you're there for somebody else. You've given God every legal right. To be there for you. And raise up people for you. When you require it. When you need it. And I mean as soon as Job repented. He turned. He quit saying some ignorant. And even almost blasphemous things that he said. He quit saying some things that were judging God. He quit saying some of these things. And he said a bunch of self-righteous things. He quit saying, he quit saying that. He repented. His heart changed. He turned. Next thing you know, God turned his whole situation around. Hallelujah. What did he say? And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Verse 12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. Amen. And in verse 16, 
After this lived Job a hundred and forty years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. And then Job died being old and full of days. <laughs> oh, do you get this though? I mean, a half a chapter ago, he's, he's laying on the ash heap. Scraping big sores, skin and bone, praying to die. Wasn't he? Praying to die, wanting to die. Oh, friend, never give up. Never get, how quickly things can change. If you can get some things changed in you, how quickly God can turn that whole thing around. You were on the bottom, now you're on the top. (laughs) <laughs> you are on the bed. Now the bed's on you. Oh, glory to God. How many believe he's the same God? Does the same kind of things today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I got another scripture. Two more I got to give you. Psalm 91. You got time? Psalm 91. A lot of you know the 91st Psalm. A lot of you could quote it. But look in the 14th verse. Psalm 91, 14. Because he, God is talking now. Because he has set his love on me. Have you set your love on him? Therefore will I what? Deliver him. Can you count on that? Could you put your trust in this? That no matter what comes up, he will deliver you. He will deliver you. I'll deliver him. I will set him on high. Sounds like blessing to me. Because he has known my name. He will call on me. And you just never know. What God's got. He will call on me and I will Answer him. How many know God is not a liar? If he told you he will answer you, he will answer you. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. You know, it's sad that so many Christians don't know any better. And they say, well, the Lord's with us. But they believe he'll just be with you and watch you spiral down the drain. And just go all the way into destruction and go, now I'm here. I'm with you. No, he said, I will be with him in trouble. Semicolon. What happens? While he's with you, I will deliver him and honor him and with long life. Will I satisfy? How many of 55 is not long? 65 is not long. 75 is not long. Somebody said, well, the scripture said 70 or 80. No, read that again. I said, read that again. That is not a promise of maximum long life. Read the note in the amplified scripture on that. It'll be a real eye-opener for you. Somebody said, well, just tell us. No, you do some study on your own. Go, Go read that and check it out. See what I'm talking about. But... Whatever, if you thought it was 70 or 80, what if you hit 80 and you're not satisfied? 
Hmm? Do you have any scripture for it right here? With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Every one of us as children of God have a right, if the Lord tears his coming, to live and to run our full race and to do everything he created us to do and finish all the job he gave us to do. And when we get through, go, I'm satisfied. I'm ready to go. I'm ready. I've seen everything I want to see. I've done everything I want to do. I've experienced everything I want to experience in this life. I've done everything I want to do for my kids and grandkids and great grandkids. I'm satisfied. I'm ready to go. How many understand that is the right of every believer? Every, somebody said, well, you know, if cancer attacks you when you're 55, you don't have a choice. You telling me cancer is bigger than this? You telling me cancer is bigger than the promise of God? No. Bigger than God's ability? No. 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 Let me just ask you a question. And don't raise your hand if this doesn't apply. But how many people in this place right now, you have been attacked with cancer in times past, but you are alive and healed tonight? Hold up your hand. I want to see. You were attacked with, look at this. Look around. You've been attacked with cancer. But here you are, living, and you ain't through living yet. You're going to keep on living until you're good and satisfied. It's not any of the devil's business when and how you die. You'll die when you and God get good and ready for you to go on, and he's not ready till you're satisfied, he said. (laughs) Turn over to the 118th Psalm. Sometimes people say, well, that's, that's mighty big talk, preacher. <laughs> Don't you know you'll die when your time comes? Well, it sounds like you know scriptures. Tell us where, where that's at. Tell, explain that to us about the time to die. Or maybe you could explain the scriptures In Psalms, it says, bloody and deceitful men, Psalm 55, will not live out half their days. How do you explain that? Or how do you explain scriptures in Proverbs that say, if you obey God and keep his words, it will add length of days and add years to your life. If there's an appointed day and hour and moment to die, then how would it be true that if you do certain things, it'll cut off years from your life. If you do other things, it'll add time. No, the Bible didn't say it's appointed unto man a time to die. That is a misquote of Hebrews. It said it is appointed unto man once to die. Did you hear me? And after this, the judgment. People misquote that all the time. And Paul, just just hold your place in Psalms and go over to Philippians. <laughs> some folk know this, but some people here don't know this. And you need to because the devils try to rob you of some years of your life. Life is short enough as it is without dying premature. And then relatives of yours that have never heard this, 
But now you know. You can sit down and talk to them. In Philippians. The first chapter. And verse 21. Philippians 1.21. For to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Never feel sorry for Christians that go home to be with Jesus. They've gained. You didn't lose them either. They just relocated. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. I'm in a straight betwixt too, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Did he just get through saying he hadn't decided which one he was going to choose, whether he lived or died? Whether he stayed on earth longer or whether he went home to be with Jesus? Did he say, I don't know which one I'm going to choose? Did he say that? Doesn't he know that's not up to him? Doesn't he know that when his time is up, he's going? It's got nothing to do with what he chooses to do. No, apparently the Apostle Paul didn't know that. And and what's more significant, apparently the Holy Ghost who said it through Paul didn't know it. And if the Holy Ghost don't know it, it ain't so. Right? Do we have something to do with how long we live? Can we choose to give up and go home early? Can we choose to stay and fight and live longer? Do we have anything to do with it? Don't take my word for it. Get in the book. Study it out. Get in Proverbs. Study those scriptures I referred to. All the ones that talk about uh, life being shortened or lengthened and, and days added, years added, years shortened. Look it up. He said, what I shall choose. I wot not. And you keep reading and you see verse 24. Nevertheless to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence. I know I shall abide and continue with you all. For your furtherance and joy of faith. While he's writing he decided. I'm going to have to stay a while. Because you need help. (laughs) I don't need to leave right now. Because you you could use some more help. I'm going to stay with you. Amen. Back to Psalm 118. And I think. This is our conclusion. Have you got this one marked too? Psalm 118. Verse 16. Boy, it's a good. Back up to verse 14. The Lord. Psalm 117, 14. The Lord is my strength and song and has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. That's talking about your house. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. I shall not die, but live. Boy, that's big talk, isn't it? That's Bible talk. I shall not die. But live and declare the works of the Lord. This is somebody that had messed up. And he said, the Lord has chastened me sore, but he has not given me over to death. Say verse 17 out loud. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Say it again. Let's say it together. 
I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Say it again. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Again. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Yeah, but you've been diagnosed with this. And you, uh, th- th- you know, when, when it gets to this stage, there is no cure and you have to die. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of God. Yeah, but once those organs quit working, when, when that fails, that's it. I mean, the jig is up. That, you know, that cannot start working again. Who said it can't? Who said, I've seen too many things that they said couldn't happen happen. Yeah, but you just, you can't make it once you get to this point. I shall not die. But live. That doesn't mean you believe you're never going to die. It just means I'm not going to die prematurely. I'm not going to die till I'm satisfied. And I'm not going to die from one of the devil's stinking diseases. Because I don't have to. It's not from God. I don't have to receive it. If it was from God, yeah, I'd lay down. If it was really from God, you ought not even go to the doctor. Try to get rid of it. If you really believe it's from God. But it's not from God. So the doctors are fighting the same enemy we are. No. Somebody say, well, if I believe God, can I go to the doctor? Yes, you can go to the doctor. Use everything at your disposal. Fight. Live. Amen. Live. I shall not die. But live. There's some folk not saying it. You ought to say it. You ought to come out of your mouth. Let me give you another chance here. I shall not die. But live. And declare the works of the Lord. Say it again. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Again, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. What did he say in Psalm 91, 16? With long life, I'll satisfy him and show him my salvation. Short life. Midlife, not long, say it again. With long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. Stand up on your feet, say it again. Say it again. With long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. Say it again. With long life, he will satisfy me and show me. His salvation. Say it again. With long life. He will satisfy me. And show me. His salvation. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Look at your neighbor. Say you you better get used to me. Because I'm going to hang around a while. (laughs) I'm not going anywhere right now. I'm going to be here a while. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Isn't it good to know that you can live and not die? Isn't it good to know? You can be satisfied 
Come on, lift up your hands. Just thank God. Say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Don't have to die young. Don't have to die middle age. Stay, fight. Stand. Having done all, stand. Don't give up, don't quit, don't be moved. Bad reports, worse reports, don't be moved. Don't talk back to the doctor. He's just telling you what he sees in the natural. He's trying to help you. But if he gives you a worse report than the last time, you just say, well, thank you, thank you. And you go back, you get in your car, and you say, I will not die. I will live. And declare the works of God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.